good to you? I mean, we could, but <laughs> we're already going to go over, even when we're not trying. Ready, Probably steady, less, little, less over today. Yeah, I'll keep us in check, maybe. Did I not tap well? Just tap it in. There we Hello. Go. All right, so there it is. No struggles whatsoever. <laughs> as good as it's going to get. That's, that's our new slogan. That's right. We're the home of professional podcasting. It's as good as it's going to get. As good as it's going to get. We're on location. Yes, we are. Vacation Bible School Week. So our normal spot for recording is used up. And Occupied. So we're out here in the lobby at Rocky Railway from the Group VBS curriculum. Oh, and you want to turn the air thing off? I do want to turn the air thing off. That's as good as it's going to get. Good as it's going to get. We're a slick operation we are. <laughs> Make sure you can hear us, though, mm-hmm. if you're so inclined. Uh, so yeah, where you can see the railway paraphernalia behind us. Sort of, more sort or less. Of. Lanterns. Lanterns yeah. are on railways, right? <laughs> Everybody, Shelly said it yesterday and somebody else said it the other day. It's The theme <coughs> is called Rocky Railway, which is hard to say. It so is, people keep yeah. saying Rocky Railway. <laughs> <laughs> Not heard that yet. That's good. Shelly said it last night, and I laughed, and nobody else laughed. I was like, "Well, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't make fun of people." Our new friends that uh, are here that used to work at uh, Willow Creek over in mm-hmm. Chicago land uh, compared what we're doing here to Willow Creek, and I was shocked because that's not a comparison we get every day. And <laughs> I thought, man, if the folks at Willow Creek heard that, I'm sure they'd be highly insulted by by so many of the things. But Real? but when you see what uh, you know, all you guys, Shelly and the whole crew, have done here with the Vacation it Bible School. Great. It looks great. It's pretty exciting. If you haven't checked out some of the pictures on our Facebook page, definitely do that. Because a lot of people put in a lot of hard work for these uh, yeah. decorations and everything. It's been a good week so far. We've had a lot of debates over the last um, several years about whether Vacation Bible School as it is is kind of passe and in today's world. And uh, it it's just neat to see how much it impacts these kids. And it's a great opportunity for the adults to volunteer um, and, you know, I think there are a lot of, there have been a lot of downsides over the way we've done church in general in, mm-hmm. in many, many cases. Um, <clears throat> and I've been as guilty of that as anybody else in the last 40 years, but, um, you know, I was 12, 40 <laughs> years ago, but, <clears throat> but still, I mean, it's, you know, we, we have taken bits and pieces, uh, over the history of the church and, uh, and missed out on some of the, the wholeness of what the scripture teaches. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think there's, uh, there's an, uh, I want to say an awakening, but I don't want to confuse that with like the great awakening or, or any of the uh, subsequent lesser great <laughs> awakenings that came along. But um, it, I think there is uh, an increasing awareness in, in recent years of the fact that maybe not, not not throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of stuff, but maybe we've let the cart get before the horse mm-hmm. in too many areas. And so many metaphors. So there's so many. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're the home of professional <laughs> metaphors, but the uh, there have been you know so many elements of you know revivalist movements right. and so on that have have kind of shifted the way we look at church so that. Uh, we've kind of fallen back into the doing rather than the being. And so, you know, you see so many of the seeker-sensitive churches. And, and I think that 
that um, marketing approach that has kind of come up really, I was going to say since the 90s. I think it became formalized in the 90s. I think it's been around longer than that. Uh, <clears throat> but we've seen this movement toward the decline of church attendance across the board, right. but the increase of mega churches. So, right. so the mega churches are huge. The average church in America is less than 200 people, uh, and, and significant number uh, of those are less than 100. Mm. And I just saw a number the other day that kind of shocked me at, at the percentage, that, and I don't remember what it is, but I just remember being taken aback by it. The percentage of churches that are actually less than 50 people in America, um, and yet you see all these television programs with churches of thousands of people. Right, right, Joel right. Osteen with you know what is it like 78 trillion people in the building? So that might be an exaggeration since there aren't that many people on the planet. But uh, you know that's I keep bumping the table in our in our temporary studio You're gonna have here. To quit. <laughs> I was just listening to Angela Johnson this morning with my with my mom. You know who that is? I don't. She's a, a, a kind of a clean comedian that cracks me up. But you, have you ever heard the Bunk Week Week skit? Oh yeah, that's her. So. Oh, oh okay. She's been in a bunch of movies and stuff. You just reminded me of her. Has nothing. Is she to do with on what Mad we're TV? About. Uh, she might have. Because I think that's where that came from. The Bunk Week Week. Thing. She might have been. It's possible. Yeah. It's, it's very possible. I'm not entirely certain. Anyway. Since I watched like, you know, half of two episodes right. of Mad TV right. and, you know, that was about it. Anyway. Anyway. Didn't Amy Poehler come from there before she... No, she was she was in a comedy club either in New York or Chicago. Upright Citizens Brigade. Something. And then she started yeah. on SNL. Anyway. We're having a good time. SNL history. We're having a good time we with a bunch a of time. pointless... Not really helpful. It's as good as it's gonna get. Yeah, uh, information. But I'm speaking of not helpful information, I'm gonna go get a Kleenex. That that <laughs> seems like helpful for you for sure. Stacy's a bit under the weather today. She's uh, fighting to be with you. She she is so committed to to this Rich, podcast relationship. I told Rich that I would not breathe on him. She lied. I lied. <clears throat> Forgive me. But I could wear a mask on the podcast. You could do that. I don't him. prefer that. I don't, I don't think either. that's I don't think that's great. We're finally free. <laughs> <laughs> so as uh, as we're doing this, Stacy's professional dedication is coming through. I wanna uh, make a disclaimer right now that I cannot be held responsible for anything that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> well, you know. Or my nose. Should we make that disclaimer every time we're here? But, you know, some of us had dads who gave us some not helpful hey. information. and uh, Certainly not me. And we, we, want to, uh, we want to focus in on what it's like to follow our perfect Heavenly Father. Good and that, segue. And I don't know if it was a good one or not, but it, it was, was a segue. It was, it was indeed it was, one. That was, uh, yeah, of all the great segues in history... It was a good segue, but it was a segue. <laughs> so yes, last weekend, this last Sunday was Father's Day. It was. So it seemed uh, appropriate and fitting uh, to tie that into a, a little, at least a little bit about what we were talking about in Ephesians. We've Completely kind of... serendipitous happenstance. That was not something that uh, was planned, but as God's sovereignty would have it, it happened to be where the text fell uh, in Ephesians 5.1, and so... It, it worked out uh, as far as that goes. It is amazing how often that happens, where mm. the Lord brings us to a place that connects with what's going on. I don't, I don't know that it's really particularly important, at least you know, from my perspective, to uh, connect the sermon that's going on with with whatever holiday is happening. But it is always. You didn't do anything you know, for Mother's Day. 
blame the Lord. <laughs> I just or, preach, I'm just preaching the text, man. More so. so than that, though, it's it's always funny to me how <clears throat> you can find no matter what is being Are talked you sure about. Sure, didn't do anything. I'm 100 positive. I'm still bitter about it. Um, yeah. Whatever is being talked about, you can always find a way to relate it to something going on in your life. Uh, you know, it's true. Something. Or something that Which is the entire with, purpose right. of this podcast, hey. to connect the reality of God to the reality so of life. So aren't you glad you're here? So It's actually the, the goal in our, as I'm starting my daughter in homeschooling this fall, one of the, you know, the things that I'm looking at as far as what is our purpose is, you know, how can I connect the reality of, the reality of God to the realities of life in her education so that whatever it is that she's learning, we're seeing more than just temporal value, but we're seeing the eternal truth and eternal value put together by the one who designed the cosmos and put everything together. So if we recognize that all truth is God's truth, then, like you said, everything that you're going through connects to what God is doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it shouldn't be that hard, really. I really don't think it is either. I don't think it's that hard for us to make connections from the scriptures to what what we're going into. And and so I try to um, make sure that that we're pushing that in our Bible study. Not that we want to turn everything into this wild application, devotional right. approach to things, but when we're looking at the scriptures in the the context in, in which they were written uh, to the particular audience that, that they're written to, and then we understand what that writer right now, we're in Ephesians, so what Paul is saying to the Ephesian church and surrounding area, in the first century, and we grasp the concept of that main idea, then when we have have those themes and principles that come out of that main idea in their lives, it, it becomes pretty easy for us to say, well, you know, they're they're dealing with trying to understand the reality of what the gospel is. Well, we need to understand the reality of what the gospel is. Right. They're living in a society that is not Christian, and in, in many cases, anti-Christian. Uh, there's paganism. They're dealing with this hypersexualized pagan worship in their city uh, where people are okay with religion as long as that religion doesn't impede right. their, their personal choices. Well, yeah, that's not really hard to transfer to right. our lives, is it? What's What catches me... Inter- words. Words. What, uh, Podcast. What I find interesting about this illustration that you that we touched on Sunday when you're and, and pretty much any time that you have a stroke <laughs> pretty much any time that uh, on camera just dumping water I'm gonna replay that. pretty much any time that we refer to God as our father which is all the time um, people <clears throat> I think in the in the world have I won't say everybody. Some people have wonderful relationships with their fathers. But I think it's a... A lot don't. A lot. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. It's it's often stereotyped that people don't because a lot of people don't. And we get these skewed images mm-hmm. uh, of what a father is or what a father should be or what it means to be a father. And we get these negative ideas. I mean, even in even in media, movies and, and television and whatever, the old classic trope is, you know, my dad abandoned me or I mm-hmm. have a drunk father or this father or abusive father or whatever. Or the typical sitcom situation the where dumb dad's dad, a buffoon, right, right, right. So, so I've always found that men interesting. Men are fools, as James Dobson used to call it. And right. So I've always found that interesting, and that kind of, in my opinion, 
might make it a little harder for people who may have experienced, you know, pick your category of father, I guess, right. to fully accept uh, a, a totally different kind of perfect relationship with God as your father because right. you've been, ex- your, your life has been an experience with a completely different kind of relationship with your human father. Yeah. So I think it's it can be well, a... Well, and you um, grew up with your parents divorced. Right, my parents divorced when I was uh, eight. And before then, um, my dad traveled a lot for work. Yeah. So I, I was, I was kind of close to my mom from the start. Um and I'm not getting my so personal you, life, but but it gives you a particular picture of right, what right. a dad relationship is like. Right, and you know, even in my own situation, I have full custody of my child, and he sees his father, um, but he's not there. Right, it's, it's right. Like, it's not what it was supposed to be, you right. know. Um, and that's I, I don't I can't quote and say that's the majority of people right now, but it's a lot of people. It sure is a in lot. Similar sure. situations. Yeah. Um, so it's I mean as as to be expected, everything's imperfect here, right. but that can make it hard I think for children, especially as you get older and start to kind of comprehend those things and, and think about those things. It can make it hard to trust God essentially, in my opinion, because when you think of God as your father you automatically associate your own experiences with your father. And if they're negative or skewed somehow, then then that can make it hard to to fully accept. Sure. Even, you know, growing up with with my dad, who was my hero, you know, it was... And I think that's pretty normal. No matter what your situation is, there are... Even in situations where there's a hatred, a a real animosity, there's a tension because there's a, a natural, especially for boys, but I think... Uh, I think for all of us, there's a, a natural uh, pull toward having dad as a hero. Right. And so then when, when we see dad's imperfections, that creates a lot of that, imp- that, that animosity, that, that hatred that can come out. And so like, uh, my dad was not a believer when, uh, when my folks uh, got together. You know, a good, good man from a mm-hmm. uh, nominally Catholic family that, that uh, really didn't practice. He stopped going to church at all when he was like 13 or 14, something like that. <clears throat> but growing up on a farm, hardworking guy, well-respected and and so on, but not prone to expressing emotion, not not prone to expressing um, feelings. My dad was fun. My, my picture of, of manhood came from my dad. He was tough. He was the you know, strongest guy I knew, toughest guy I knew for sure, uh, unless he had a cold, but... <clears throat> you know how men are the man cold. cold. So, uh, but, but but yeah, I mean, I watched him out there, you know, working in in just horrendous conditions, milking cows with pneumonia, mm-hmm. you know, until until he couldn't function at all. I think a lot of that was generational so, too. Yeah, there's a lot of that generational stuff, and and, and so you know, I watched him, and, and he did not know how to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how to be a Christian man. And he didn't know how to be a Christian dad. He really didn't know how to be a dad, period, right. because you know we we don't do a good job in our society of teaching that. And so you know, again, we talk about the pendulum swing all the time. We went from these, you know, the kind of the, the distant tough guy dad that you know you get the picture sometimes. The extremes they used to use in uh, psychology articles would be like John Wayne versus Alan Alda, mm-hmm. which I think is a really flawed picture because. <laughs> 
if you watch any John Wayne movies, there's a lot of sensitivity that goes on in there. If you watch Alan Alda and MASH in particular, just a wretch of, a, of characters. You know, Hawkeye Pierce was a terrible dude, you know. He was fun, he was compelling, but just godless and horrific. Anyhow, <clears throat> but that was the picture of, of, of the sensitive, emotional guy or the hard, unfeeling guy. Mm-hmm. And reality is a balance. Mm-hmm. That's, where we, that's where we need to be. And we've not really done that well. Yeah. And so my dad had to learn that balance over time. And I had the the challenge, but also the privilege of watching him. That he, is unique. He yeah. really didn't grow. My dad was the same guy my whole life. Mm. He was a good guy. He was an imperfect guy. He was a flawed guy. But he was, he was a good guy that I could admire. When it wasn't until I was an adult and married and moved away that my dad really started to grow in his discipleship and he you know got baptized and began you know personal bible study uh in a small group with the pastor working through j.i packers knowing god and uh he and my mom gave up watching television at one point later on uh and started instead of uh watching they were just so offended by some of the stuff and this is you know in the 90s so uh they were so offended by the godlessness that was on television they just stopped and started reading the scriptures together, memorizing uh, passages of scripture, and they'd just take that time they would normally watch television, and they would read the Bible and pray together. And it just, they already had you know, the great love story, and it just, just shot like a rocket. All of a sudden, these people who were already you know, a great picture of marriage for us growing up became next level, you know, stuff. And anyway, so to watch him grow then as a Christian and how that influenced his ability to relate to us as his children, to share things. I used to make fun of him because, you know, he he started getting sensitive and wearing Crocs and, you know, uh, you know holding my mom's purse and things like <laughs> nice. that. So, but some of that was just changes in, in life station at that point. But, you know, I used to tease him about it. But it, it was... It helped me to watch my dad right. even grow though you in were, front of even us. Even though you were older already. Right, yeah, absolutely. And so I got to, to experience him recognizing, hey, you know what? I'm not everything that I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. but God is. And so you know, I'm going to keep trying to be more and more like him. And I think that's one of the things that, that we, we as children need to learn about our dads is... They're not perfect, right. just like we're not perfect. They're going to have flaws. They're they're imperfect, flawed, sinful people. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everything they do is bad or tainted. We just throw everything out. We need to give our dads some grace. And whoever you are, whatever your situation is, I, I know there are probably some people thinking, well, you don't know my dad. You don't know my situation. No, I probably don't. But I probably know a dozen other people who are in a very similar situation. And so, you know, whether your dad was, was the absentee father because of, of, you know, the relationship between him and your mom or because he was a workaholic or traveled a lot or who knows, any number of different reasons. Maybe your dad was a drunken bum and he was down at the bar or he was out gambling all the time. All of those things, that, that takes a toll on you. But at the same time, let's understand our dads are human. And so our Heavenly Father is not that. And so on the one hand, I want to tell us as children, we need to give grace to our dads. But on the other hand, as dads, and I hope if there are any dads listening in our our seven-person 
listening audience. If you're a dad in the UK. Yeah. Go ahead. Hello. <laughs> you knew it was coming, so. What do they call fathers in the UK? I, fathers? I don't know. I, they call mom like mom. Okay. So I, I don't know what they call dads. I'll have to go do some traveling. Anyway. So, you know, I just really want to say to, to dads, step up. I, I, I don't have a softer way to say it. Be a man. Step up. Recognize your responsibility. You are tasked by God with the primary responsibility. Once you become a dad, your primary responsibility in life is to be the Christ to your children. It primarily by being the example of Christ to your wife. And so as you are, and if you're, for whatever reason, not married to your children's mother, you still have the responsibility of, of demonstrating Christ to the best of your ability in that uh, un, undesirable, I don't know if that's the right. best word to choose, in that situation that's less than God's plan. So I think that you can take that one step further. I, the thing that just popped into my head was... Uh, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> well, okay. Have you ever seen that episode where uh, I think Will Smith's name is Will in the show? It is. Um, where Will's dad comes for a visit and he's been like absent pretty much his whole life. And Will is grown and his dad is like wanting to do all this fun stuff with him and he's going to buy him stuff and we're going to go here and take him here. And Will gets all excited and he gets his hopes up. And then uh, his dad at the last minute is like, oh, something came up. I can't, whatever. And Will acts like it's all fine. Have you ever seen this episode? Yep. And Will acts like it's all fine and everything, and his dad leaves. And then uh, Uncle Phil comes in the room, and Will gets angry. And he's like, he was never there for me. I don't need him, blah, blah, blah. And then he breaks down. And he said, why doesn't he want me? And Uncle Phil then wraps his arms around. And, and Phil, uh, Will's pretty grown at this Yeah, right, he's like you know. 20s. Yeah. And uh, so then Phil wraps his arms around him, and he's just hugging him. And so I want to... If there are fathers out there who just aren't going to step up to the plate, if I think if you're a, a woman too, but if, since for the sake of what we're talking about, a man in a, in a child's life, no matter how old that child is, and you have a role, uh, whether it's a, as a stepfather or an uncle or a whatever kind of father figure, you can step up too. <laughs> yeah, can, I think it's necessary for us to right. do that. And that's... there. I would just love to keep going with the, the metaphor of the church in that. But, but as we focus in on it, 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 it's important because not just children, especially children, because they're in these formative years, but not just children. Our wives need this. Right. The world needs this. We need this. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I was still learning from my dad up until the day he died. And so... As an adult with five kids of my own, I'm still learning from my dad. That's a pretty, that's a pretty significant thing to recognize right. that, that we don't stop being fathers by God's design and God's call right. just because you know the the first time you ride your bicycle is gone or right. you know you're not at that that <clears throat> stage of you know going out and having a catch with your little kid the. It's tragic when we miss those things. But rather than lamenting the past as if that's the only thing that matters, let us go ahead and grieve the past and then let's bury it and move on. We got we're going to have to go forward to recognize that that there's more to it. And so we're going to see more of that specifically 
uh, when we get to the end of chapter 5 in the book of Ephesians. But as we were looking at this in this particular case, the focus of the text was really more on the child, the parent-child relationship, but the response of the child. Mm-hmm. Because the, the call that, you know, just to kind of couch this in the Ephesian context. So in the book of Ephesians, Paul's writing to the church in and around Ephesus in the first century. There, there's not a lot of correction that he's doing here. He's not saying, hey, you're really messing up. Let's get this right, like he does with the Galatians or the Corinthian church. Uh, there's not false teaching that is apparent, uh, that it's real obvious that, that he's addressing, like in the Colossian church or the Thessalonian church. Uh, he's laying out for them, and, and he's got a, a deep relationship with them as a church. He may not know a lot of the people there because it's a, a pretty cosmopolitan area and it's changed a lot and grown. But he spent three years there, so he's got deep relationships with, with many of the people, especially the elders. And in the book of Ephesians, he's laying out for us the true nature of the gospel in the first three chapters, our, our position in Christ, who we are, our new identity, because God has chosen us and adopted us and predestined us to be holy and blameless in his sight and, and set us apart for himself. And he, he reached in and took us when we were dead. Oh man, I just, uh, actually, I think I just put this on Instagram. I was actually on Instagram. Can you believe Whoa. it? Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. But there's a, a, there's a thing I saw from, that you sent me something. I didn't look at there's it. There's a thing from R.C. Sproul. <clears throat> I think I posted it in my story because I don't know how to post anything else. But uh, but it's talking about how how uh, God doesn't, you know, you've maybe heard the metaphor that God throws a, you know, we're drowning and God throws us this life preserver right. and we get to take hold of it. And he says, that, that's a bad analogy for salvation. The reality is God's not throwing us a life preserver to drowning people or thrashing about. God dives deep to the bottom of the ocean and pulls out a dead corpse, brings it up to the beach, and breathes life into it, brings it to life. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 is talking about, that every single one of us, we are by nature. The nice old lady down the road is by nature a child of wrath. We are all separated from God. That's our default. And the only thing that saves us is God going down to the bottom of the ocean to take our dead, drowned corpse right. and give it life. It's like that thing we were talking about a few weeks ago. God doesn't send people to hell. We were already on our way there. <laughs> it's his grace right. that snatches us up. Vodi Bakum is a, a quote that tends to run around in memes periodically. It says it's, it's God's mercy that allowed you to get up in the morning mm. because his justice should have killed you last night. Right. The, the reality is none of us have a leg to stand on. So Paul in the first three chapters establishes the, the incredible nature of the love of God shown to us in Christ and who we are when, when God has caused us to be reborn in Christ now we belong to him. And if he did all this stuff as he says in Romans and elsewhere if he did all this stuff while we were his enemies, how much more does he do for us now that we're his children? So he, his prayer for the Ephesians and, and by extension for us is that we would know how, how high and deep and wide and long is the love of Christ and to, to give glory to God through the church that God is bringing all things together into this wholeness, this reconciliation under his kingdom rule in Christ. 
and he's displaying his glory through the church. So then the second half of the book in chapters four, five, and six, as we've been talking about, is God laying out for us, okay, here's, in light of who you are in Christ, here's what it looks like to, to walk according to who you are instead of who you were. So Paul says in, in Ephesians 4, 1, you know, in light of this, right, and, and he's, he's somebody who understands the suffering. He's already imprisoned for his faith. And he says, I urge you to walk worthy of your calling, to live a life worthy or fitting to who you are that's suitable to this. Because it, if you're a child of God, you, you should grow up to be like daddy. Mm-hmm. And like all of us, we're not perfectly like our fathers when we're little. Again, we're not perfectly like our fathers ever. But you know, as we're growing up, we become increasingly like them. And, right. and you, know, you and I had a private conversation about this uh, a little while ago that uh, one way or another, whether we want to or not, whether we should or not, we end up being like our parents mm-hmm. in so many ways. You and your sister are both very different, but you both have qualities from both of your parents that maybe they, they recombine in different ways in you as individuals. But whether you want to be or not, you are like your parents. I am like my parents. And we know we'll kind of joke in the family, you know, my sister's like my dad when she does this, or mm-hmm. Jeff, you know, torques his dog, jaw like my dad here. And I'm like my mom because I'm slow and distracted or, you know, whatever. I can't cook, so, I'm, you know, that's a hallmark of who my mom is. But anyhow, but all of us... Cry. Yeah, never, never has that happened. My kids have said, boy, I've seen dad cry all the time, but I've I've never seen mom cry. But anyhow, uh, unfortunately, I've made my wife cry far too many times. But the the reality of life is that we are all like our parents. And sometimes in our rebellion against being like our parents, we display qualities of our parents. Mm. So Paul is saying then, Having worked through what we should be walking like in chapter 4, he gets to the end of chapter 4, which really, I think, belongs in, in what we know as chapter 5, but you know the, the editors who put in chapter breaks, that those weren't inspired. They were just there to be helpful. But in, um, in chapter, one, or chapter 5, I mean verses 1 and 2, this is our memory verse for the week, was that uh, Paul is saying to the Ephesians, Follow God's example, therefore. This is the NIV. So uh, if you're like me, you're you're immediately thinking, be imitators of God. But the uh, newer NIV version says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the picture that we have here is that because we are children in, in a relationship with a perfect father, and he is worthy of emulation. When we understand who we are in Christ, this doesn't apply. This isn't like you know some of the you know the feel good preachers who are out there saying, "Well, God just loves everybody unconditionally. It's all the same." And you know when you totally reject Him, He still loves you just the same. All that that you have to really do some some linguistic gymnastics or logical gymnastics to make the Bible say that. Uh, that's just not valid in, in the same way. Um, and without getting too deep into that, there, there is a sense in which you can say that, but it's very misleading. The reality is if you don't get right, you are not God's child. And just like I, I love people in general as those who bear God's image, 
I don't love them the way I love my children. My children are special. That's a relationship that's different. Same thing happens with us. When we're in Christ now, he loves us uniquely. He loves us as a father loves a child. We belong to him and, and we're in Christ. And that's a relationship that can never be undone. That's crucial. And when we know that, when we're able to, to say, wait a minute, yeah, I blew it. I'm ashamed of myself. I mean, I wonder if I did all this stuff right, if I got the religious aspects right and so on. And God is telling us through Paul in the first three chapters, man, this was never about you in the first place. I chose you. The fact that you're seeing that you're wrestling with this <clears throat> tells you that I've changed your heart. I've given you something that you would not and could not process or, or, or choose to believe if you were not reborn regenerate. Because you're not going to get it all right. No, you can just keep screwing up. And the but the devil is, is really good right. at accusing us and saying, "See, you blew it. You blew it. You blew it. You know that that wasn't. You didn't pray the prayer right, or you didn't do this right, and so you must not be a child of God." And Paul says exactly. Or you don't the feel opposite. a certain way. Even, it, yeah. Feelings are such a big deal. You know, there there are times, and you know, your your child is of course perfect because you know how, how that works. But you know, <laughs> there are certain times and ages when uh, I, yeah, three. I still love you, <laughs> but I may not feel that love in the Wait till you get to 13. You know, oh. it, that's, I've heard boys are easier than girls at like, at like that age, which I, I can understand. I would contend that for fathers, 12 and 13 are tough years for boys. Oh. And then 18 gets to be pretty good for the most part if you can walk through that. Girls tend to be great in that 12 and 13. Uh, challenging because they're girls. For, this is for, for fathers, oh, okay. at least from my experience. For mothers, it's always. But then about 17, 18, it can get rough again. You know, but I'm only having one boy, so, so it's fathers. Anyhow, as we're, as we're going through this, my, my times when I get really frustrated with my children, and I'm saying that very euphemistically because the emotions are much stronger than that. <laughs> really and, frustrated. And y'all can criticize if you want, but if you're a parent, you know exactly what I mean. There are times when I don't feel like being your parent. My mom used to say there were times when she wanted to she wanted to throw us out the window. <laughs> right? She's she going didn't. to be, she's she going didn't. to be very upset it's that you just okay. said that. On this Nobody podcast. called child protective services. We're all adults. We're fine. We've never thrown <laughs> we out the window. We love you, Debbie. And we've all felt that way as parents. If you have not felt that way as a parent, you had somebody else raising your child. So that's that. The reality is, we're going to go through those emotions. That does not make my child less my child. Right. And it doesn't make me love them less in a deep, abiding, uh, lasting, truthful love. But in the moment... Oh boy! Yeah. I mean, it's, my, my wife and I love each other completely. It is a, a full, committed love for 32 years and, and will be for the rest of our lives. But if you think she felt like being married to me every day for 32 years, then you haven't met me probably. And, and, and you don't know what marriage is like because we just, feelings are not the issue. And the same thing is true in our relationship with Christ. And so the, the point here in Ephesians 5.1 is you are dearly loved children. And if you wrap your mind around what that means, the power of your identity in Christ, then the only logical response, which sounds a lot like Romans 12, 1, the only logical response then is, man, I want to follow in daddy's footsteps. 
He loves me. And I don't deserve to be loved, but he loves me anyway. And because he loves me, because he chose me and adopted me and predestined me to be perfectly conformed to the likeness of Christ, and I know that I'm not, but I know that he said I will be, and he guaranteed that with the deposit, if you will, of the Holy Spirit in my life. That is not a feeling. He's a person. He is a reality of a person in my life that doesn't necessarily come out in some fancy feeling or, or magical show of power, but the, the ability to persevere and trust God. This is a really huge thing. And when I get this, First John, uh, the letter of 1 John says that the perfect love drives out fear doesn't mean I don't have fear. It means I don't have a reason for fear. And the better I comprehend, that's why, why Paul is praying uh, in chapter 3 that, that we would comprehend this love of Christ. When I get that, the more I get that, the, the less fear I will have. It's not that God loves me any more or any less. His love is perfect. It's my understanding of that, my apprehension of that taking hold of it. So I, I need to comprehend it and I need to apprehend it. I need to understand it and I need to take hold of it and, and apply it in my life. And when I get that as a child of God, which again, it only applies to those who are in Christ, right. then following in daddy's footsteps just makes all the sense in the world. Why would I not want to? He's perfect. He's beautiful. And when I see how Jesus, who is not only our Savior and our Lord and God himself, but when I see Jesus, who is the perfect example of that, then I can follow in the same way that he did. And that's what uh, 5.2 says, that you know, in the same way that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a, as a sacrifice, a fragrant offering, it's an allusion to the Old Testament sacrifices uh, that, that purchased forgiveness for the people. Um, it was still God doing the forgiving. It wasn't like the, the sacrifice did it. It was God doing it. And in the process of, of this, we see the picture of Jesus, not for himself, but for us, laying down everything. Right. You know, Philippians 2 gives that picture. Of he, 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 just, he emptied himself of all the cool stuff of being God to take on the, the form of a servant and dying on the cross for a wretch like me. And then that particular picture is what Paul is saying should be our, our, our model. I'm hesitant to use that word, but I think it, it's the only one I got in my, in my vocabulary right now. That, that picture of what Christ did is how we are to love. In that manner, we are to love one another. As Christ followers, we should be following Christ in his example of how to love one another. So when we're talking about being just like daddy, we want to, we want to follow, we follow God's example. We want to be imitators of God, not by working up some willpower in ourselves, but in the same way that a child learns to be like their father, like learns to be like their parent, spending time in that relationship, resting in that relationship, so that the character of the parent becomes the character of the child. We will stop there for today. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts before I give the spiel? I, I have so many closing thoughts. I guess I, I just really do want to challenge uh, fathers, you know, as, you know, we Again, we just came through Father's Day and we have the celebration and all that. You're not going to be perfect. Stop stop trying to be perfect. But understand that you have a responsibility whether you choose to accept it or not. You answer to God 
for the spiritual health and welfare of your family, for the example that you set for your children, for your wife, of what God is like, because they will see him through you. And uh, a little later on, we'll talk about the role that mothers have in, in oh, displaying okay. the, uh, the nature of the church and the relationship that we have to God. Okay, then we will stop there for today. Uh, if you guys want to connect with us, you can send us a message on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. Um, I still don't know if you can send messages. Yeah, you can direct message on Twitter. <coughs> I remember that now. Um, or you can leave us a voicemail either on the Anchor app, if that's what you use to listen to your podcasts, or Rich is dying. Or you can or choke to death on the voicemail <laughs> as I'm doing so well. Don't do that. That's Super creepy. Nuts. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail here at the church at 269-756-RLCC. Or you can email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. And or you can send us a message via carrier pigeon. You could also send me a YouTube instructional video on how to drink water without choking. While I'm sure there is one. That's the, that's the scary thing. So I used to be it, able to drink water I, without choking. I'm going to blur your face. I used to be able to drink water. <laughs> okay, we were, we were really good. My now we're going off the rails at the end. Hair. Oh, man. All right. I think that's it. Is it? I think that's yeah, it. That's all there is. Is that all there is? It's, it's as good as it's going to get. It's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> Bye, everybody.